This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. Up next, we have an interview that David Spada and I taped with Randall McDaniel, the Pro Football Hall of Famer. So you were a Sun Devil here, I see, back in the uh, mid-80s. How did you end up at Arizona State? Well, I, I was born and raised in Arizona, and um, I always figured if I ever had the opportunity to go to college and, and play for one of the schools, it would always be Arizona State. And so they gave me that opportunity, and I took it and ran with it. Were there schools, I would assume there were schools outside of Arizona that were interested in you? There were. Um, they were they were more interested in me playing basketball than they were football, because um, I played both at the same time. But um, all I wanted to do was stay at home and, and go to Arizona State. So when when they um, when Daryl Rogers them gave me the call and said we're going to offer you a football scholarship, I, I immediately jumped on that. Because back in the uh, late seventies, early eighties, ASU was a powerhouse. I mean, under Frank Cush and then like you said, Daryl Rogers, they got some great players. Oh, there's, there's been a lot of great players that come through ASU. I mean, there's still even more. Uh, the, the fun part is, I mean, we did, one just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, Curly Cope, who played back in the late 70s. Uh, so that's, it's, it's nice to follow that tradition and, and get an opportunity to play there and, and just try to continue that tradition that Sun Devils have out there. The transition from high school to college goes smoothly for you? Uh, <laughs> I, and some, some people would say no. Uh, when I went to college, I was a tight end. Uh, played my first year as a tight end, um, redshirted as a tight end, and and then um, during that uh, second year, basically my redshirt freshman year, I switched from tight end to guard and started from game six on. So uh, some people say I may, I may have given up on my dream of scoring touchdowns. Uh, I said I I just wanted an opportunity to play and show that I can do what I could do on the field. Look, it looks like Daryl Rogers was ahead of his time because if you would have came into the league 20 years after, you would have been a tight end because it seemed like all these great basketball players went on to become Hall of Fame caliber tight ends. Uh, yeah, I guess it was a little, a little different then. Yeah. Um, uh, but it just worked, it worked out for me. I mean, like I said, they, um, with the offensive line was struggling. They were, they were holding tryouts for the spots along the way. And like I said, I just wanted the opportunity to play. So I threw my hat into the ring and, and um, it, it worked out for me. I mean, I got in there, started playing, and, and, and I never looked back from that point on. So the transition from tight end to guard was an easy one? It wasn't that bad. I mean, uh, the tight ends at ASU, did, I mean, they caught passes a lot, but they did a lot of run blocking also. Um, I, my strength at that time was run blocking. I could block. I thought I could block this spot anyone if they put them in front of me. Um, and then I had an unfair advantage when I moved from tight end to guard because I was a lot quicker than all the defensive linemen around. And so the speed helped out there, too. And then, uh, like I said, I, I did powerlifting along the way through college and high school, did it back in high school. So I was just as strong as everybody. I just wasn't as big as everybody, but the, I could still get the job done. You mentioned you were a great basketball player in high school. Any thought of playing basketball at ASU? <laughs> the, the thought was there. I screwed around with it for a little bit. Uh, but you know, when you got Byron Scott out there on the team, some other guys, uh, I figured football was going to be the better sport for me. So you become a, became an observer at the basketball games rather than a participant. Uh, we became um, intramural champs for five years in a row. How's that? We, <laughs> instead of going out to <laughs> Sounds like another unfair advantage. 
<laughs> uh, they figured it out a little late at the time, but no, no. I used to I mean I used to know all the guys that played on the basketball team. I, I'd be out there playing with them, pick up games before their practices, before our practices. Um, you know, thought about doing both, but um, I figured for myself, I should concentrate on just football and get that done. When you got drafted by the Vikings, did you understand what was in store for you in the NFL? Uh, I had somewhat of an idea. I mean, we had guys go before us. Uh, I mean, David Folter, who played in the NFL, and all these guys that I played with that were seniors that went before me. And so I had an idea about it. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I knew you had to work at it. I knew you had to uh, a lot of study, a lot learn to watch film. And, um, and so the transition, it, it, I say it went pretty smoothly. I mean, I, I had a lot of great veterans on the line that when I came in, uh, Loudermilk, Gary Zimmerman, Tim Merwin and all those guys who the veterans back then would work with you, basically tell you you're going to do it our way until you can do it better. And um, but they taught you a lot. They taught me that. And so I was very fortunate to come into a, into a group that was already there, and I just had to mesh with them, and we did that. I'm sure being a first round draft pick, there was a certain level of expectation by management and by your teammates that you know this guy's going to come into play, not to come into watch. <laughs> well, you got to remember, though, back then, though, first-rounders didn't start a lot, though. You had to earn your way in. Even with the expectations, you still had to earn it. So I remember sitting on the field one day, and, the, and my coach chewing me out, and he offered me a bus ticket, a road map, and an apple. Uh, and I thought I was gone. <laughs> but uh, but you really knew when you got in there, you were you were prepared. You You knew what to expect. You knew the defenses. You knew what was going to happen if they shifted before they shifted. Um, and so when I got that opportunity to step into at the second game of that that year, uh, like I said, the same as I could issue. I, ne- I never looked back. Once I got an opportunity again, and I knew it was my job to lose, and and that's the way I played for all 14 years. It was, it was my job to lose, so let's go out and make sure we keep it. You know, you had some good training though, because in your practices, that defensive line from the Vikings back then, you were loaded. You had John Randall, Keith Millard, Henry Thomas. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we had some greats. Yeah, Millard, John Randall, Henry, yeah, Henry Thomas, Noga was there. Uh, I started with Doug Martin, who was there for, uh, toward the end of his career. Uh, I mean, yeah, practice was like playing a game. Uh, so when you got to the game, it was more, okay, I can take a breath now and have a little more fun. Uh, because even me, Keith Millard and all those guys used to try to watch film on you in practice so they can beat you in practice. And so in turn, we watched film on them going, okay, what do I need to do to make sure Keith Millard didn't have a good day in practice? And then switch from him to John Randall. The guy that was a nightmare. I, I actually told him after I retired that I hated practicing against him. I did whatever it took to make sure he couldn't get a, pass, a rush or a pass or beat me in anything. I would literally hold him if he was going to beat me and yank him down and be like, hey, you're never going to get there. But um, it, it made the game so much easier. And, and I, I, I give Johnny and all those guys credit. They made practice fun. They made the work that I put into practice made the games a lot easier for me. How did you guys avoid beating up one another in practice? <laughs> I'm not saying we avoided it. <laughs> it happens sometimes. I think a lot of the guys used to wait to see John Randall and I go against each other all the time in practice just to see what would take place. And then it got heated at times. Uh, but, you know, at the end of each practice, we both would walk off and talk about it going, hey, all we're going to do is make each other better. And so uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. We'll do it again the next day. Uh, but it, it just made both of us better. But there, there was, yeah, there were times that we, there was no talking between us after plays. It was like, okay, 
I got to get back at him for what he just did, or he would do the same thing. Yeah, I got to get back at Randall for what Randall did, did to me. So it made for a, 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 a practice sometimes. But like I said, the, the, when the game rolled around, whoever I was playing against, uh, or whoever he was playing against, we both kind of went, okay, it, it's not each other anymore. So let's, let's take it out on somebody else. John Randall told us last month when we talked to him that he used to do research on his opponents, found out what their girlfriend's names were, wife's names, where they went to college, and basically got in the offensive linemen's heads. He didn't do that to you in practice. No, no, I, I had an unfair advantage over him because he came in as a rookie, so I, I, I established myself early in practice during his rookie year. Uh, like I said, it was probably one of those times we got in a heated moment and I just made sure he knew I was in charge. And I, I think that kind of stuck throughout our career. But, um, no, I he never pulled that one on me. I know when I went to Tampa for the last two years, I thought he would. Um, but he but he didn't do it. Uh, I, I tried to play the head games with him, telling him that I don't have to hold back anymore. I go, we're not teammates, so I can finally just let it loose and go after you finally without holding back. And um, he took it out on the other guard on the other side. So <laughs> it worked out. By 19... 19- 89, you, you, your second, I guess it's your second year, you're a Pro Bowl selection. At that point, did you say, you know, I, I can play at a pretty high uh, level? Uh, uh, when I made it the second, my second year of the league, I, I, <laughs> I, I wasn't even thinking about it. All I was thinking about was just playing and, um, and doing well. And then when it happened, it, it happened. And then it was like, okay, can we do it again? Uh, can we put the work in to do it one more time? And, and um, like I said, each year it was always like, can you get better to get back? Uh, the the real, the, amongst my friends, though, they kept saying it was my wife's idea because she said it since I brought her up into the, this Arctic tundra. I had to get her to someplace warm every year and, and <laughs> return. So the Pro Bowl was that she was like, you got to get me back to Hawaii. So I could say I was playing for my wife to make sure she got back to Hawaii every year. You went through 12 straight years. I mean, basically you got free vacations and you got paid. <laughs> I, made, I made a lot of friends along the way. There's still a lot of families that I met in Hawaii that we still keep in contact with today. And so um, it was a good vacation. It was a good time to go see friends, and it was, it was always fun to play in the Pro Bowl. Now, your first coach with the Vikings was Jerry Burns. What was he like? Uh, Burns, oh, I love him. Yeah, he, was, he, he reminded me of Burgess Meredith. I didn't even think he was the head coach when I first met him. But uh, yeah, no, I, I learned a ton from him those first those years, and uh, so I, I owe Burns a lot still to this day for him taking that uh, chance on me, drafting as they call me the undersized lineman, and bringing me in when they didn't want to bring a lineman in. And so um, I, I owe him a lot for my career and just giving me that start and that opportunity. And then Dennis Green was your coach for a number of years. I mean, he was a great coach up there in Minnesota. Had him had him for my next uh, how many years were we there? Uh, I can't remember, but uh, eight years. Um, I mean, I, and you know, we the team did well. We kept rolling on, and God, I actually then I actually finished with Coach Dungey in the end, and so uh, felt like college all over. I had a few different coaches along the way, uh, and you pick up what you can from each one and take it with you as you as you play, and I and that's what I did. And then your offensive line coach was Mike Tice. Uh, no, my original line coach was John Michaels. Uh, uh, that's, uh, I mean, like I said, when I, when I went into the hall, uh, I, I made sure Johnny was there with me. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, he was the, I would say that he's the one that offered me the bus ticket to Roadmap and the Apple. 
and I, I could have swore I was going to be cut every day. Even when I started playing, I was, I was still, as they call it, the, the person that took the, the brunt of the criticism in the meeting rooms because I was a young guy on the line. But, um, God, he'd go into battle for you, though. I mean, no one could talk about his offensive line. No one could yell at his offensive line. <laughs> no one can get in his offensive line. Basically, Johnny would just step up, and he, he did the job. I mean, but he made you learn. He, he, I mean, you had to know every defense against every situation, each what the play could be. And like I said, to this day, when I still call him up now today when we talk. And he actually chews me out for the first five or ten minutes of our conversation just to let me know he can still do it. Uh, but, yeah, he, he was he was amazing. I mean, like I said, him and Johnny, his wife, Ann, and, and all his kids. I mean, I, I still do stuff with his daughters who live here in Minnesota. So, yeah, I, I, always, I mean, I had some line coaches along the way, but if you could ask me to pick one of them, John Michaels is the one that I, I owe a lot to. Besides your teammates, what defensive lineman gave you the most trouble? Besides my teammates, uh, Jerome Brown before he passed away. I uh, played with the Eagles. He was uh, uh, he used to give me headaches. It's probably the one time I would watch even more film than I normally would just to make sure he wasn't going to have the upper hand on me. But yeah, he was the first big guy inside, and, and he called, he'd be considered small today. But he was like 290, 300 pounds. But he had the, the size, speed, and quickness that they are. I mean, he kind of reminded me of John Randall, just a little bigger. And so he used to give me headaches. And I would never tell him. I would go out after the game, we'd talk and everything. But during the game, it was all business. Were there some quarterbacks you enjoyed blocking for rather than others? <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed them all. I had quite a few back there. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed every one of them back there. I mean, and I forced them to play with some of the greats. I mean, I got Warren Moon back there behind me. I mean, God, McMahon came through. He was the McMahon was probably the funnest to have back there. Uh, then uh, Johnson along the way uh, earned the spot, got in. Uh, Cunningham, uh, God, uh, he could scramble and get away if he had to. That, that was fun. I mean, he even got Jeff George toward the end, and he was uh, making his comeback at the end. So. Uh, there's not one favorite. I mean, I had a lot of them. I mean, I started with Tommy Kramer, had Wade Wilson. Had I mean, I had a majority of them, but they were they were all fun. They all, they're all different in their own way, but they all got the job done back there. Was Rich Gannon there when you were there? Even had Rich Gannon. Had, <laughs> had Rich Gannon for the first couple of years. He slipped in between Wilson and Salisbury for a moment before they brought McMahon in. So yeah, uh, had quite a few of them come through. That was amazing what he did with the Raiders. I never pictured him being that type of quarterback. Oh, he was a good player. He was a good student of the game, too. I mean, he was that, that way when he was with the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't get the opportunity here with everything going on. And like I said, when he went to the Raiders, he just he did what I knew he could do all along. Yeah, he just got that opportunity, and he, and he ran with it. So, yeah, again, it was fun. And he, was, uh, he ran when he was here with us, so he used to take off with the ball a little more. Uh, but, like I said, he was always a student of the game, always studying, always being prepared. So uh, it didn't shock me when he went to the Raiders and did what he did. Now, does an offensive lineman enjoy run blocking or pass blocking more? <laughs> run blocking. Yeah, you love it when you can impose your will on the other guy. Yeah, I mean, and that's how you wear them down. You get to go out and pound those guys for 70, 80 plays a game, and by the end of the game, if you've been run blocking more than pass blocking, it's, it takes a lot out of them. Uh, pass blocking there. You got to be able to do it though. Uh, but if you can, if we had our choice, I'd rather run block any day of the week. 
Isn't it easier to hold when you're uh, running the ball than when you're passing? <laughs> yeah, I never held. <laughs> Not that you would ever do it. Well, I'll, I'll admit it now. I, I held on every play. If they were foolish enough to let me get my hands inside when I was doing that and, and put them where I needed to do, I'd really put it in there. But, yeah, it is easier to work the hands a little more on the run blocking because uh, you you can you got more body, more surface. You're, you're trying to get them to go where they don't want to go, but you can work the hands a lot more on the run block. Did you have a favorite the Vikings running back that you enjoyed holding for? <laughs> I mean blocking. I mean blocking for. <laughs> like I said, I'm re- I'm retired now. You can call it holding. Um, <laughs> Robert Smith, uh, uh, Smitty. I, I love blocking him. He uh, got him. I don't know how fast that guy really was, and he never like he was really going all out with that stride that he had. But um, Robert was one of a great one to block for. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, just watching him go. You know, if he got that corner, you open that hole up for just that little brief moment. And if he got if he got through it, no, no one's going to run him down. And so uh, Robert was fun to watch for that. Um, Terry Allen, uh, I love watching him for his toughness. Uh, he banging in there between the tackles, and, and uh, he tried to punish people. But uh, between those two, I, I'd go at Robert Smith still, though. The offense changed a lot, though, when you got Randy Moss, because I remember when he was – First couple of years with the Vikings, you couldn't stop that guy. He would get an open field, and it was over. Uh, I mean, it didn't even have to be an open field. He just run by everybody. Uh, I don't think anyone was quick enough to keep up with him. Uh, uh, yeah, he uh, he came out his rookie year with a '98, and then introduced himself to the world. And um, yeah, it was fun to watch. I mean, I would he have like 17 touchdowns that year as a rookie? And, uh, he was just amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that that was amazing. I think that was the same year we set the scoring record at that time. And so um, yeah, Moss. Uh, I mean, it kind of changed the game. They got those tall receivers with speed down there that can go deep, and uh, what they had to start drafting corners that can also run that speed and try to keep up with them. But no, Moss. I mean, he was a game changer. What was your reaction when you heard you had uh, been voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? <laughs> Ah, uh, God, it was uh, a little bit of all the emotions all through it. Excited, humbled, honored, uh, you know, something you don't mean. Playing football, never expected it. I mean, you, you just go out and play. And you just and do what you do, and I enjoyed the 14 years. But to get that phone call on that day was uh, something else. It was, like I said, it still feels like yesterday. It still feels like it just happened the other day. Uh, but, God, what a, I mean... My thing is, is uh, I'm in a place where I don't, I, I don't think I belong from there because I'm sitting around all these great players. Um, the history of the game is all right there with you. And I can sit there and, and ask Tom Matt questions about what he did with the Rams back in the day. He, he can tell me all about Deacon Jones and if Deacon's not there to say it himself. Merlin Olson, I get to hear all the stories about Merlin. Uh, God, and then sit with Gail Sayers and Earl Campbell and all those guys. I mean, what a thrill just to have to be sitting in the room with all that history there and just – to hear their stories, so it's been it's been quite an honor. And, uh, like I said, I still can't believe that I'm there and I'm in there with them. I know John Randall came back last year because one of your former teammates went in, and he basically said the same thing. Oh, it, it is something else. And you sit there. I mean, guys, you watch play. Guys, you played against. So guys, you sit and watch play with your dad. Yeah, I mean, and, and I tell you, the most fun about this whole thing, going into the hall, was. But when I went in, my dad got to come, and my family was there. But my dad was in the hotel with me with all the other players. And we would meet every morning at 6 a.m. after I had my workout. 
And I asked him, did he get the autographs that he was looking for? And he goes, yep. I go, did you get him to sign twice? And he goes, yeah, I got yours too. <laughs> so my dad was collecting autographs for me also, and the, and the guys didn't realize it. I mean, your dad keep asking for two autographs. I go, well, yeah, one's for me. Uh, but uh, it, it is fun. I mean, it's just fun to be around those guys. I mean, any opportunity to have them at a charity event or somewhere where there's more than five or ten of those guys there, all I do is sit back and listen to them tell stories because it's just fun to hear about how they played and what they did. And they're the ones that paved the way for all of us today and the young kids now playing. So uh, I owe them a ton for what they did, for what they sacrificed to make the game what it is today. And you guys all enjoy being around each other. I was at the Hall of Fame last year. I was at the hotel after the Gold Jacket dinner, and you guys sat there, ate, and all talked, signed autographs for the people, and were real cordial. Oh, they're, they're a great bunch of guys. I mean, uh, I mean, how can you not? I mean, we we you go out and play this game, and you you as they say, you reach the pinnacle by getting in there, and you're on a team that's never been cut from. And God, how hard is it just to sit back and sign a few autographs for some people? I mean, they watch you play. They came and, watched and saw what you did. Uh, it's easy just to turn in and sign an autograph. But, yeah, the guys are great. I mean, uh, the majority of them would do, uh, I mean, if you, hell, you pull up a chair with them, and they'll sit and talk forever with you and, and tell stories. And all you got to do is just spark, say, a game. And, well, I remember when you played here, and they'll give you a story from it. So uh, it is fun to be around those guys. It's always nice to get together with them and just hear all the great stories they have. The only one that scared me was Ricky Jackson. It looked like he was going to go at me. He seems like he's still got that fire. <laughs> I don't know if he can catch you now, though. You might have a chance. But, nah, yeah, there's, there's some of them that still look like they have the game face on. But, you know, if, yeah, as you sit them down and get them talking, they, 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 you, you quickly realize they're, they're all pretty good guys. Now, the common thinking is offensive linemen are the smartest players on the field. I, I assume you'll have to agree with that assessment. <laughs> uh, yes, I will. <laughs> no, I would say that everybody always says it's the quarterback, uh, but a lot of times quarterback still can't make his calls until the center and the and the line set the the blocking. Uh, quarterback can point everything out, but it, it means yeah, the line has to know just as much as the quarterback. I mean, we have to know who's blocking who. Uh, we have to know where the help's coming from, where the help's not coming from. Uh, we have to see it before they see it. And, um, and then we have to do it all as one guy. I mean, five guys moving as one. And, um, and that's, a, that's a fun thing to watch, to see five guys working together. And you don't have to talk sometimes. You make your calls for the other guys so they know where they're supposed to go. But then nothing needs to be said from that point on. It's, it's snapping the ball and everybody's working in unison. And when you get a line that's been together, you can do that. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a fun thing to watch. When you went to the Buccaneers, you played with them in 2000, 2001. Did you ever think about going back with them one more year and having that chance for that Super Bowl? You know, I mean, I, I've always been one of those guys. Once once the decision is made, I, I don't look back. Uh, 14 years was good enough for me. I, I was ready to go. I, the body was ready to go. Uh, and I decided, and I always told myself I was going to walk away when, I was, when the game was still fun, where I could still go do things that I would love to do. And so that's what I did. So, uh, nah, uh, no regrets. I mean, I, I called Jeff Christie tonight when they won the Super Bowl, left him a message, told him I talked to him later, and then I got a phone call like 3 in the morning with him screaming and yelling. And I'm like, yeah, and I had to tell him, because he knows me. He's like, he goes, I know I woke you up, but I had to just let you know you should have been there. And I'm like, Jeff, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm where I'm supposed to be at right now. 
but I just made let him know I enjoyed what he did. I mean, and I got to play with those guys for that long. So, no, no regrets of walking away when I walked away. You didn't tell them they wouldn't have won if you'd remained active? Say that again, please. I said, you didn't tell them that if you hadn't retired, they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I didn't do that. I actually thought when I retired, I told them they should go ahead, go ahead and win it. I mean, they had a good team coming back. Uh, Gruden had come in, and they was changing the, some things around there, and I told them they had a great opportunity, so don't waste it. And um, the guy, they went out and did what they were supposed to do. You mentioned that you got to meet a lot of the people that you watch playing football in the Hall of Fame. Who was your favorite player watching growing up? <laughs> yeah, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> you know, when I was a tight end, uh, playing in high school and first year of college, I always loved watching Kellen Linslow. And then then you get to meet him, and then you get to do events with him. Um, so that was a fun one. I, I did a book report on Gail Sayers when I was in middle school. And there I am sitting at a table with him now, and I'm poking Tom Matt going, I mean, that's Gail Sayers sitting next to me. Uh, you know, Earl Campbell. God. Uh, and I'd done some events with him and, uh, you know, go down to Austin. And I'm expecting a ride on the bus to go to the next event. And Earl comes over with his with his, his brother-in-law, and they pick me up themselves. And I'm like, you know, I could get a cab. But just, a, you know, there's a... There's a lot of them that are my favorites. I mean, God, Bob Lilly, Mr. Cowboy, was my dad's one of my dad's favorites. And uh, I've gotten to do stuff with him. Uh, but it's, I don't know, I mean, John Hanna, the, uh, the guards, a guard of all guards. Look at that. Uh, but uh, there's really no favorite. There's a lot of there's a lot of favorites. But uh, if I had to pick one, uh, I, 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 God, you're get me in trouble. I go, I go Earl Campbell. It's been fun just to get to know him and just the, the things that he did uh, and the things that he's doing now. Uh, it, it's just a thrill just to be around him. How do you start 202 consecutive games? How do you stay that healthy? Or did you stay that healthy? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I thank the good Lord above for giving me uh, this looking out for me. And then um, I guess I've always been that way. I was the kid that Never missed a day of school, all from kindergarten to 12th grade. Uh, I was the one with my brother and I would go out and play games. And, I mean, we can both run into a wall. I would get up and laugh about it, and, and, and he couldn't. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I mean, the good Lord is looking out for me, but I've been fortunate. I mean, and then just hard work. I, I, I love working out. I love being prepared. I love being ready. And so I um, still do it now. still work out now to make sure nothing goes wrong now. But I'm just blessed and fortunate in the right opportunities and things just went my way. So 202 was, yeah, there were some times I didn't think I was going to get do that. Uh, but uh, somehow someone, someone was looking out for me, and I was able to play it. What is it with you Hall of Famers running the walls? We talked to Jim Otto last week, and he fell out of his wheelchair. He said he hit his head against the wall, got a concussion. He got right back up, and he was fine. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, it's just I guess it's a mentality or something you do when you as you're growing up. You uh, there's some like I, I work in the schools now. I work in elementary schools now, and you see some kids that can do just about anything. Then you look over and go, "Oh God, he's going to be hurt." And then they get up and they're laughing and they and they just go off. And so a lot of the some of the kids remind me of myself because I know I used to do that on the swings, jumping off the slide when you're not supposed to, and, and you always tell someone you jump off, you can break your arm. I was the kid that never nothing ever happened to. 
I just get up and smile, brush the dust off, and go keep moving. Uh, and so I was one of those. I mean, then you see people who they get tapped just a little bit, and something's wrong. But I was the I was the other way. Uh, I guess linemen like that. I mean, that's how you know you're going to be a good lineman. I guess where if you <laughs> run into the wall or fall, slip, and have everybody hit you, and you get up and just smile at them and keep going. Uh, so I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I guess a lot of us have done that as linemen. Uh, I guess we like the contact. I give you credit, though. I mean, you didn't just rest in your laurels. You decided after football to become a teacher and educate the kids. Uh, I mean, like I said, I, I've been very fortunate. Um, I got to I got to do the two things I love the most. I mean, I got to play football for a long time, and a, and now I get to work with kids along the way. So. Uh, all I'm trying to do is make a difference. Uh, if I can make a difference in one child's life, then I think I've done something along the way. But that's, that's all I'm trying to do is make a difference. And I'll assume none of these kids know who you are as a football player. <laughs> the kids that I work with now, have they their parents tell them a lot. Uh, when I first started working in the schools and volunteering and subbing, when I was still playing, those kids knew, but then they got to know me as just Mr. McDaniel along the way. But... Yeah, some of these kids have no clue. They just think I'm the big guy in the classroom. Uh, and and then when they do find out, they'll look at me or they'll walk in with a card someday and they'll ask me, is that you? And I go, yeah, that's me. And they're like, you really played? I go, yes, I really played. But yeah, but some of them don't believe it. But yeah, it's, it's the kids aren't the bad with it. The bad about it is the parents, they walk in and they'll stand there and stare sometimes and not say anything. <laughs> And, they, and their kids are the ones shoving them. You got to say hello. And so, but no, I, I enjoy what I do. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I I said to a lot of people, if you if you ever get a chance to work in the classroom and make a difference in a child's life, come out and do it. So, are you more like a kindergarten cop type teacher, or kind of like a Gabe Kaplan with uh, Welcome Back Hotter? Ah, uh, got it. I guess I'd be. Uh, uh, more of like the kindergarten cop. I mean, I actually work in the special ed department. Uh, and so, uh, they always say you gotta have patience, you gotta be willing to stay in there. And, uh, and I always say it's like a puzzle for me, it's always trying to figure out what I can do to make sure the kids have everything they need. But yeah, I'd be more like a kindergarten cop because I do love the, I still love to play games with them. Uh, no one's beat me in checkers yet at school. Uh, I can still outrun all the third graders, and so I, I win all the races. Uh, I haven't got quite blocked their shots in basketball yet, because I think that'd be a little unfair if I start blocking their shots. But but we, I keep the games close, and, I, and as I tell them, I keep it fun. Uh, and I'm here in Minnesota, you know, there's a lot of sledding. We get to do sledding at school. We get to do uh, cross uh, what is the snowshoeing stuff in the winter here. So. I'm right out there with them. I, I do everything they do. I do. I figure that 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 keeps you young, and that, that's been the fun part about it. It keeps you young, you, and it's fun just to watch kids grow and learn as they as they figure it all out along their life. Do you ever say to yourself in the middle of winter, you know, I should have retired to Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> hey, kind of like right now, as all the snow is falling, I'm looking out my window. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. But no, no, I mean, I. I was here for for too long. Uh, the people are great. The quality of life is good. I started working in the schools and doing all our charity work here. And so I, I am now an official snowbird when I go back to Arizona. But I do. I sneak away uh, during the year. I get back for three weeks out of the year during spring. And then um, summer months, I'm, I, I, I'm good there. So I get back enough 
uh, see my parents and all my family. And so uh, I'll, I'll stay in Minnesota a little longer. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you. That does it. Another exciting episode of Sports and Torts is in the books. It'll be available on podcast on TalkZone.com. I would like to thank our guest, Pro Football Hall of Famer Randall McDaniel, and the lovely March 2013 Playboy Playmate Ashley Doris. Also, thanks to the lovely and talented executive producer of this program, Dave Olson. So until next time, stay well, be well, and don't forget to come back to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. Mm-hmm.